This morning, our scripture passage is from Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, thanks, Emily. Hey, good morning. Peace be with you. Thanks. Awesome. I'm going to make sure that our friends on Facebook can see me nice and nice and clear. Hey, my name is Mark. I am one of the ministry leaders here. Um, it is great to be with you today and to, to be able to um, share the Word of God together. Um, if you don't mind, let's pray together and then we can get started. Uh, Father, thanks for these dear friends in this church that you have blessed us with. Thanks for a space to meet um, safely and, and together. Uh, we just pray that, that as we hear your word this morning, that, that you would give us ears to hear, that, um, that you would speak to us by your word, and that your Holy Spirit would um, uh, seep it deep into our hearts, and that, uh, that you might continue to mold us and mature us and grow us as the body of Christ. Amen. All right. Great. So my question for us this morning is, uh, when you think of the church, uh, what comes to your mind? What kind of metaphor comes to your mind? Is it something kind of like a movie theater uh, where you go, you drop off your kids with a babysitter, you escape a little bit from your responsibilities and thoughts and fears, and you just unplug for an hour and a half? That's fine. Um, Maybe it's a gas station that you go and you fill up your spiritual tank once a week. Then the rest of the week you're kind of running through and you come back again for another for another hit. Or maybe it's uh, maybe it's like a spectator sport uh, where you're there, you're you're watching and you're you're here for for the result, but you're not exactly playing on the field, right? Um, obviously, those are those are incomplete pictures. Uh, but what I hope from the passage that we'll see today um, this morning is that the church is a body and that we're a family and that we each make make up different parts that work together under Jesus, who's our head. So if you're a kind of person that writes stuff down and you remember one thing, here's what we want to hear today. Jesus gave us the church so we can grow up together in love, sacrifice, and truth. Jesus gave us the church so that we can grow up together in love, sacrifice, and truth. So first, the giving of the church. Um, Paul starts out the passage with a reference to, um, to kind of the ancient world where in the ancient world when a king would return from a victory, uh, he would lead a parade through the city um, and with his army and he would distribute the spoils of the victory to his people. Um, and so Jesus, what Paul is saying here is that Jesus won 
the greatest battle with the greatest reward, that is our chance to have life with him and his victory over sin and Satan. And so Paul starts out this, out this passage, he's thinking of our King Jesus ascending to his throne um, when he quotes Psalm 68, and he says this, but to each one of us, he is given, he is given grace as Christ apportioned it. That is to say, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What Paul, is, what Paul is referring to here is that when Jesus ascended 40 days after he rose from the dead, he, he, Paul is thinking about how Jesus ran this heavenly victory lap. He ascended back into heaven, and then he showered gifts that fl- on his people that flowed out of the um, immeasurable abundance of his grace. This might actually be the closest that uh, Jesus comes to Santa Claus in the Bible. Uh, he flies away, right? And then magically a spiritual gift appears in front of us, a special gift just for us. Um, and it's flowing out of his bottomless bag of grace, right? But uh, we know that Jesus is not Santa Claus. Uh, he is not just some distant deity, right? Who finds enjoyment occasionally dumping gifts into our lap. Um, instead, what Paul says in the passage here is that in order for Jesus to ascend and for him, or in order for him to go back up into heaven, that means he had to become low and become part of our very existence and our substance like us. He became like us. He ate. He slept. He was frustrated with relationships. He had a family. He was betrayed by his friends. Uh, scripture tells us actually that there isn't anything that we experience that Jesus doesn't already know of firsthand. And so as our all-knowing Savior and friend, uh, he gives us gifts then that draw us nearer to each other, which is the church. It's as if, as Jesus ascends and gives us our gifts, that we, uh, we're opening the gift that Christ himself gave. And instead of giving, getting instant victory over our enemies or immeasurable wealth, we unbox this gift and what we find is the gift that we get is the gift of each other. We look around and it's the church, it's each other that Christ gives as a gift. Um, and you are the special gift to the church and you play an important role in the body. In fact, the body of Christ can't actually be all it was possibly meant to be without you or without your participation. We're missing something when you, uh, the loved one, the chosen one of Jesus is not part of the functioning body. And so that's really what we want to focus on this morning. What is the church? What is the body of Christ? And why are you so important to it? So first, Paul gives us a few examples of the gifts that Christ gave to us in the form of our church leaders. So he says, so Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So when we think about these roles that Paul describes, it's pretty clear here that he's just saying that these roles are to serve the church. Christ gave us those roles of our church leaders so that we could be ready to serve those around us. Um, Specifically, I wanted to talk about pastor-teacher, which here means, uh, in our context, the pastors that you think of at Trinity. So Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Casey, they are our pastors and our shepherds. And their role as shepherds in this body encompass a a number of things and a number of responsibilities. But the responsibility that Paul is telling telling us here is pretty clear. It's to build you, the body of Christ, up 
so that you're ready to serve Christ in his church. But then we hear this, and then I ask myself, how do you view your pastor in your heart, really, though? How do we view our church leaders? Um, if you've ever watched the show Silicon Valley, uh, which I'm not officially endorsing from the pulpit, there's a character named Denpak. Uh, he serves as the spiritual advisor and guru to this megalomaniac tech executive. Um, and so what Denpak really just does is he affirms whatever the tech executive is doing. Uh, he doesn't give any real direction. Um, and then we find out later in the show that he has a side hustle as a real estate agent on the weekends. Um, but do you, my question to you is like, do you want your pastor to be Denpak? Do you want him to be someone who just really affirms whatever you're doing with the spiritual bent? Or do you look to your leaders? Do you look to your pastors for ministry, um, for ministry and to, to equip you for ministry and to help you participate in the maturing of the building up the body of Christ? Are they there to equip you or are they there just to affirm you? But Ephesians 2, Paul says earlier in our book, says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what, that's what the pastors in the church are for, is to equip us for good works together that God has already planned for us. So Christ gives the church, and then next we see in the passage that we grow up together. Our growing up is together. I recently went to a friend's wedding, um, and we were talking, to, uh, talking later about how there are really only like two moments in your life where people from all stages of your life, from childhood to high school to college to your adult life, are all gathered together in one room. And you're really alive only during one of them. So there's really only one event where they're all together, right? And it's, and it's a reminder of all those people together that you becoming the person that you are uh, in maturity was not a solo project. You didn't, you didn't do it by yourself. It was with all these people in the community that were, that were contributing to you growing up to the person you are at that moment. But in every other state, every other moment in life, it can be kind of difficult to remember the community's role in your maturing. Because let's be honest, the only person that's there the whole time is you, right? So we can be, we can be fooled into thinking that our development is a solo project instead of a community one. Um, but there, I think there's two ways that Paul really pushes back on that notion, and back on that deception in our lives. Um, the idea that spiritual growth is something that you do alone. So first, it's that Jesus is at the center of your growth. He says in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 15, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Like growth in Christ isn't about you walking some path to some sort of self-centered, fulfilled um, happiness that you're fully realized in and of yourself. It's like, no, the truth actually is that Jesus has always been with you on your walk in maturity towards him. It's maturity in Jesus is the path that leads to Jesus. It was walked by Jesus. And it's one where Jesus walks with you every step of the way. Christ is at the center of your maturity in him. 
And when we hear this, it can be kind of daunting to hear Paul describe the maturity in Christ that, um, that we are looking towards in this passage. And then you go and compare it to your lived experience and your current maturity, and you're like, man, I am not there, right? But Jesus is for you, the passage is telling us. And the power of Christ and his spirit is constantly and always working towards moving you towards maturity in Christ. It's, it's, an, it's a process that does not end on this side of eternity. And Christ is for you to bring you to that. He wants that for you. It is his plan for you. And, and yes, Christ is with us. And that, that would be enough, we would say. But he actually gives us even more. And the second thing about maturity is that we grow up in Christ together, not alone. Hear the passage again. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him the whole body, joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and build up, builds up itself in love as each part does its work. The image of a body is really central here. Uh, we can imagine how a, just imagine with me a body that has a fully mature head. So it's like Jesus is the adult head. And then it's on top of an infant's body, right? It's just a very strange picture. However, I guess I've been told sometimes that I look like I just woke up in an adult's body and I'm still trying to figure out how to function in it. So I, can, I know the feeling, but this is what growing up, trying to be a body of Christ looks like when you try to do it alone. You're immature, you're incomplete, you're mismatched to the head. It's impossible to grow into Christian maturity alone. And it's actually the opposite of what Jesus intended for you. Uh, just like how my, my friend on his wedding day would have been a fool to, to claim that his growth and maturity was all on his own with all these people around him, right? It's a mistake for us to be fooled into thinking that maturity in Christ is itself a solo project. We need each other and we're doing it wrong if it's not with each other. And so what that means then is that we have to spend time together. We have to share our lives with each other. That's expensive. That, that takes giving of yourself. It's sometimes easy and it's sometimes it's life-giving to, to be with the Christian community. And sometimes it's really, really difficult. And like we acknowledge that um, in the church together, but we know it is the path that we should be on. We all carry these different burdens um, and it makes it hard to give ourselves to each other. Uh, social anxiety, busyness. Maybe you've been hurt from past church relationships. Um, kids, kids just make it hard to give yourself to other people, right? Um, and some of us just have this disposition towards social isolation that, we, that, we, that gives, makes us a barrier for us to join into the life of the church together. But the writer of Hebrews encourages us this way. They say, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. To experience the fullness of Christ, that fulfillment and joy and purpose that comes from knowing all that Jesus has for you, we have to have each other. Eugene Peterson in the message says it like this. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do, he keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. His very breath and blood flow through us, 
nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. I've got two really straightforward ways to make growing up together in Christ a priority. Easy to say, hard to do. Uh, One, show up. Two, take a risk on trusting Christ and his church. So one, show up. You're here today. Huge win. It's 2021, back into COVID. I'm just thankful that you are here, that we're gathered together. One of the things that COVID has done to us is it has robbed us of shared physical presence with each other. And I just, it's great to see your faces. Um, It's great to be with you in person. Show up though, come to a community group, become a member of the church, learn about what it means to contribute to Christian community. And then two, the encouragement here is to take a risk with that community. Take a, take a risk trusting the community of faith. I'm not claiming that you won't be disappointed. You probably will be. Or that someone in the community of faith might hurt you. But it's a worthwhile risk to take. Just like actually any relationship that's rooted in love uh, requires risk, right? So is our relationship in the church. And it's, it's a risk that Paul is telling you and telling us that we have to take if we want to grow up in maturity in Christ. Um, and as we grow up together, then what we, what we attain together by Jesus and by his Holy Spirit is maturity and stability. Listen to verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When we grow up together in Christ, he transforms us from being individual children that are tossed around by the trends of the world, and instead we become anchored in Jesus together. That, that idea of being tossed by the wind, I mean, don't you see it in the world today? Uh, don't, I see it in myself. I, I think you probably do as well. As the world tries to put, together, put to death the idea of God in their hearts, uh, we're left with even less of a foundation than we had before. And that leads to an ever-shifting moral landscape in our world today. I mean, don't you feel like you're playing a game where the rules are constantly changing, uh, where the goal line's perpetually shifting, where no one knows what the score is? That's the world that we live in today and the moral standards that we constantly see shifting in our contemporary culture. And life today without a foundation is just exhausting. Uh, Life without the anchor of Jesus and the church It leaves us open to those deceitful schemes um, of the world. All those influences that try to draw us into their way of thinking, into their group, into their product, right? Paul says that growing up together in maturity, we are resistant to this kind of deceit because we have the anchor of Jesus. We've got the bond of community and we have the foundation of the truth of the word of God holding us together. Um, I play basketball with uh, Adam Burnham. He's doing kids right now. And I hate guarding Adam Burnham. Um, he is a big, strong dude. Um, I'm a tall guy, but that's about where that stops. And Adam chooses where he wants to stand on the court. He occupies that space. And he's there as long as he wants to be. He, nobody moves him. He moves you, right? And it's exhausting because I'm playing a game where I'm placeless against an opponent that has an immovable foundation, right? And it is tiring in the world 
to be the one that's whipped around like a rag doll without an anchor and without the strength that comes from Jesus. Jesus invites you into that security, though. It requires commitment from you to be committed to Christ and his people and to be a participant in the member of his body. But that foundation is what we have in Jesus. Instead of being tossed by the wind, we are held secure by Christ and by the community of faith that we have in the church. That's the good life that our world's looking for. That is the good life that you're looking for. And it's what the Lord deeply, deeply wants for you. And I know what you want for yourself as well. We all want to be secure and loved and part of the community of faith. Um, the question is whether or not uh, we, we follow Christ's leading and giving ourselves to each other in that community. So the question then, uh, Christ gives the church. Uh, we grow up together, right? And then the, the ways that we do that is we give ourselves to each other in love, sacrifice, and truth. So the first being love. Jesus says this in the book of John. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. Love is the common thread of all we do together and our shared life together in the church is meaningless without it. And that kind of love that binds us together is the kind of love that comes from being part of the same family. Paul says earlier in Ephesians 2, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That means that if we are part of the same family, if we're being honest with ourselves, we need to ask the Lord to grow in our hearts the kind of love for each other that carries the hurts and pains and burdens of the brothers and sisters that are in this room and that are in your community of faith. That the kind of love that celebrates their victory and mourns their losses and is also there, by the way, for all the times in between. Um, in the body of Christ, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. But that's only the kind of love that comes with shared time and experiences. You just don't walk into the room and have it, right? Which means that we have to have shared presence and time together. You see that kind of love develop in a community group where they go through hard times together, where there's death or a job loss or other kind of suffering. I mean, when we were drowning as new foster parents, um, our group cried with us. Uh, they struggled alongside of us. They sacrificed of themselves to meet our practical needs. And it's that kind of suffering that, you, that draws you together. And then it's the care that you show to each other in those hard times uh, that stokes the fire of your love for one another as a family, as a church, as a community of faith. And that love then requires the giving of ourselves. Back to what Jesus said, he said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So in love, we give each other in love, sacrifice, and truth. Number two is sacrifice. When Paul says that the leaders of our church are supposed to equip us for works of service, we can really read that work of service as the sacrificial giving of ourselves to the church. Paul says in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who humbled himself to death on a cross. We take our lead then from Jesus. He's the first member of our family. He's the head of our body. And he gave his life in service to the church. 
And as our leaders build us up for works of service, we work together to sacrificially make the body of Christ function. Um, I think that's actually where, one of the places where our practical living departs from our theology, right? Are you serving the body of Christ to the point where it feels like a sacrifice? Um, Does the community of faith absorb your time and your emotions and your money to the point where sometimes it feels like a stretch for you? What we're not asking as your, as your leaders is to, to, for you to burn yourself out. That's not what we want. Paul isn't saying here that we should become unhealthy um, in, our, in our time and devotion to the church and giving up things like family and other things like that. But if your community, if your commitment to the community of faith isn't inconvenient at least sometimes, are you really following the sacrificial example of Jesus? I think it's a question that's worth asking of ourselves. And so we give ourselves in love, we give ourselves in sacrifice, and then finally in truth. Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. To grow up in maturity in Christ, then we have to speak and learn and hear the truth from one another. That's why at Trinity, we emphasize reading and studying God's word. Um, that's why in community groups, we read scripture together and we discuss it to each other. We, st- we discuss it together because we're speaking it to each other, right? We are speaking and learning the truth together. And Paul tells us here that we speak the truth in love to one another. Some of you uh, are speak the truth people and some of you are in love people, right? I think you probably know who you are. Um, if you don't know, you're probably a speak the truth person. And when we need, but we need both, right? And Individually, Paul actually calls us to embody both at the same time. Uh, for, some of, for some of us, it's like the word of God is God's truth. Uh, and the only option is that we speak it plainly, we speak it often, and we speak it without regard for consequence. And listen, I'm here for God's word being everything we need for life and godliness, right? I'm here for it. But I think if we just go around slinging the truth at each other without any regard for love, we were we risk becoming arrogant hypocrites who merely tell each other what we're doing wrong, but don't have a path forward in love to grow together, right? But then on the other end of the spectrum, if we only love, we risk becoming this kind of like support group who suffers really well together, but then they have no foundation or truth to lead them forward into the path of maturity, right? And so we're stuck. Uh, At times, I think though, we would all rather just be in love people because it can be hard to speak the truth. But Paul tells us that in order to grow up in Christian maturity, we must do both. We must speak the truth and we have to do it in love for each other. I'm a big math guy. Um, I know people aren't numbers. I've been told many times, but this is still helpful. It's been said that grace plus truth plus time equals change. Grace plus truth plus time equals change. Uh, as, as we ask ourselves, it's like, okay, how do I minister to the people in my community group and in my church? How do we love one another? It's employing that kind of mix, grace, truth, and time, like Jesus did. I think that's how we build up the body. You think about the gentleness of Jesus. Um, he was patient with the sinner, but he also spoke pointed truth to the religious hypocrite. And he then also invited all people to turn from their old ways and experience the fullness of life that was available on him. And so my question for you on the topic of truth 
is how are you hearing the truth in your life? Is it coming from the word? Um, from sermons on Sunday morning? Maybe you've got a podcast. That's great. We're here for all those things and we love them. But kind of a going into the next layer here, could someone say to you that they spoke the truth and love to you recently? Could you say that you spoke the truth to love in someone recently? I think as a church for us as Trinity, a sign that we are growing together as the church of Christ is that we are actively encouraging each other with God's word and speaking it with love into each other's lives. I think that's the sign of us growing together in maturity. So as we wrap up, I've got one more question. Have you ever had a next day cold Shakespeare's pizza? Like you loved it with your friends the night before and then you pull out of the refrigerator and it's the same food. Maybe the molecular structure has changed a little bit, but it's just not the same, right? And I think, I think part of that is just like, you're not at Shakespeare's, the environment isn't there, and it's just not as good alone, right? Life with Jesus is sweet, but it is much sweeter together. We grow with Christ as the church together, not alone. Jesus gave you the church. He gave you each other. And he invites you to take this life of loneliness and isolation and being tossed by the wind that the world offers, that your flesh offers, and then to trade that in for one of love and community and self-sacrifice and joy together in life with Christ. My encouragement to us this morning is give yourself in love and sacrifice and truth. Take a risk with becoming emotionally vulnerable to your community group. Join a community group. Connect cards in the back. Um, there'll be some announcements later. Speak the truth in love to your neighbor, right? And then when someone speaks the truth in love to you, receive those words from those around you so that we can grow up together as the body of Christ and not alone. We are better together, not alone as we walk with Jesus. So let's receive the gift of the church from Jesus and then let's grow up together in love and sacrifice, and truth. Let's pray together.